We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. Uh, you have a gun on you? That's not necessary. <laughs> we started a, a, a few weeks ago, well, about a month ago, we started a little series called It's Time to Step Up. Right after that first lesson was all the COVID went down on us, so. What we're going to do today is we're going to continue with that series, and uh, today I want to talk about operating in the Holy Ghost, operating in the Holy Ghost. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. That word glorified, a lot of people have, you know, it says this was, he was glorified or Jesus said, touch me not, I'm not yet glorified. That, that word glorified, doxazo, uh, it means to, to render or esteem glorious. And so the reason it was said about Jesus uh, when he said, don't touch me, I've not yet been glorified, is he hadn't completed what he was doing. Therefore, he couldn't be esteemed and rendered in the highest of fully and fullness and glory until he had finished that. And so Jesus was actually glorified when he left here. That, that was the end for him physically here on this earth. And that's, that's actually when Jesus was glorified. Uh, people use the word glorified for different things. Uh, but, but, but it just means to render or esteem glorious, full of glory and honor. So let's talk briefly about the purpose of the, we could talk about the Holy Ghost for weeks and years. So let's just talk briefly about some things about the Holy Ghost. Uh, and let's just look in the scripture. And, and I want your input. I want you to talk. That's what our Sunday school is about. Uh, John 14 and 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So, the Holy Ghost is a teacher. Number one, the Holy Ghost is a teacher. He shall teach you all things. You know, most of the time we look at a Sunday school teacher or the pastor or uh, somebody that's great in our life or a mom or dad or whatever is a teacher. But one of the purposes in, uh, of the Holy Ghost is to teach you. Did you know you can read your Bible and study it and the Holy Ghost teach you things that you'll never hear from this pulpit? All of us have different lives, and all of us come from, we, we serve one God, but we serve him from different avenues. And so your avenue is different than mine, and there's things I need to learn from God about my avenue that you don't, and vice versa. So just understand that the Holy Ghost is a teacher, but more than that, the Holy Ghost is a reminder. He, notice the end of that scripture. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Not some, not what you heard over here. All things whatsoever I have said unto you. So whatever God has spoken unto you, how has God spoken unto us? He's spoken to us in these last days by his word. And so he, that the word is the thing. Anything that you read and study, not just read, but read and study, 
There's a difference between reading something and studying it, right? You know, we don't have to go through that. Okay. Uh, so if when you read and study it, whatever you read and study at the time needed, the Holy Ghost is going to bring that back to your remembrance. And it will happen. In your life, if you're living God's life and you're living what you're supposed to, it will happen. You'll cross someone's path. Something will happen as a situation in your life, and God will bring the word back to you. Uh, the Greek word uh, parakletos, it means advocate, counselor. He, when it says uh, comforter there, what do you think of when you think of a comfort? You know, you, yeah, warm fuzzy, a comforter. I was feeling bad, now I feel better. Uh, a comforter. I was crying and he made me laugh, comforter. You know, I was sad and he made me happy. Well, that's a lot. Of, but the word comforter actually has a threefold advocate, counselor, and helper. That's really what this Greek word means. Advocate, counselor, and helper. So when you look that up in the, in the context of the Jewish lifestyle, what you find out is that it's a legal counsel. The comforter here is here as a legal counselor for you. You ever gone to court without legal counsel? I went to court without legal counsel in Lubbock, and I lost. Oh, you've never been? Okay. Well, I went to court in Lubbock, Texas without legal counsel, and you know what? I lost the case. I needed legal counsel. Why is that? Legal counsel knows more about, yeah, than I'll ever know. And so... That's why it's important to have legal counsel. The Holy Ghost knows more about your situation than you'll ever know. And so that's why the Holy Ghost is your legal counsel. It's, it's when you pray and say, God, now I need, I need direction. I need wisdom. I need counsel and all these things. The Holy Ghost will use words, situations, and all those things. The, the Holy Ghost provides us wise legal counsel and is an advocate that reminds us of the things that Jesus spoke in your, our life. He's an advocate, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. John 16 and verses 7 through 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. That's what I like about Jesus. He wasn't going to tell a lie. I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, now here's interesting. We just read uh, a scripture. Let me, let me jump back there because it has to go with what we preached last week, you know, uh, about who God is. You know, that God, God is not many gods. He's a singular God. But if he's a Elohim, here, here's what, in, in John 14, 26, he said, the, whole, the comforter of the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So get that? Okay. So now let's go over to what Jesus just said here. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him. So who sent the Holy Ghost? Was it the Father, the Son? Who was it? Yes, it was the Father. Yes, it was the Son, because that is the Elohim. The, the all purpose say, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove. That word reprove in the Greek means to admonish, convict, or convince. He said, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see, the Holy Ghost has a job in the world, not just in the church. And the Holy Ghost's job in the world is to speak to the world and is to reprove or is to admonish, convince, or convict the world of sin and of righteousness, to explain and show the difference, what's right and wrong, and of judgment. So not only does he provide wise counsel as an attorney, 
You think of the Holy Ghost as an attorney, also provides evidence in court. That's what your attorney does when they, your counsel, your, that's what they do in court. They provide evidence, and the evidence is in your favor. I mean, you, you could have committed murder, but your, your counselor is not going to say, well, yeah, I'm the lead counsel for my, you know, he did do it, but I'll tell you, he's a good guy. He didn't do stuff like that. That's, you know, he's going to provide all this evidence to try to show you didn't do it. And so that's what a counselor does, provides evidence. The thing about God is he does everything in truth. He doesn't do anything in secret. He doesn't hide anything, but he provides the evidence in, in the court of the world, if you will, about who you are, righteousness, and about who the world is, the sinful. So the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost provides us with the truth concerning any sin. The Holy Ghost provides us with the truth concerning any righteousness. And the Holy Ghost provides us any any truth concerning judgment. The Holy Ghost dwells in believers. There are some groups that feel like the Holy Ghost, or they preach that the Holy Ghost, or they teach that the Holy Ghost is extra. Not necessary, but extra. If you want the power of God, well, then you can ask for the Holy Ghost. But, but in their explanation, what they don't understand is, is a lot of them will say this about the Holy Ghost. And I'm not getting any interaction, so I'm going to stir you up. A lot of them will say this. When I, when I accepted the Lord into my heart and as my Savior, the, the Spirit came into me. And so I received the Spirit, and so later on I'll be baptized or speak in tongues, and that's being baptized in the Holy Ghost, that receiving the Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Ghost are two separate occasions. Number one, show me the Bible and I'm with you because it ain't there. That, that, that's a false doctrine. There's no place that says that when you accept the Lord into your heart and receive the Lord into your life, matter of fact, let me, I'm going to stir you up. Somebody's going to there's nowhere that says you accept the Lord into your heart in the Scripture. There's nowhere. There's nowhere it says that you accept Him as your personal Savior in the Scripture. Matter of fact, we don't accept Him. The Bible says He receives or accepts us. And thou shalt be saved. Yeah. Okay, so, so what, what is the word saved? What does that mean? What? It's a two, it's a few, right, we're not, we don't, listen, I, I knew it was going to start this up, thank you. We don't get saved here. When Paul writes that, and when Peter writes that, and when, we don't get saved here. We get born again here. He didn't tell Nicodemus anything about being saved. Nicodemus said, how can I inherit the kingdom? He said, well, you got to be born again. That's how you get into the kingdom. Once you're into the kingdom, you live the kingdom life. And if you live the kingdom life, not by works, living the kingdom life is the things you do that Jesus told you to do. When you live the kingdom life, what happens at the end when you die? You're saved when it's all said and done. Paul said, I have run the race, fought the fight. I've come to the end. Now, now, now I'm good. He said, you know what, had I quit during halfway in the race? He didn't say this, but what he's saying here in the Scripture is this. If you quit halfway in the race, you don't win. If you quit halfway in the fight, you don't win. you got to go all the way through. See, there's a misnomer in Christendom about the word saved. You know, call on the name alone, thou shalt be saved. What book is that in? Anybody, real quick. Bible. Romans. Okay. So we and the group I came from had the Roman road. Did you have a question? Heaven. Yes, ma'am. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did y'all hear that question? Difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Because there is a difference. There is a difference. The kingdom of God is the kingdom we live. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and the Holy Ghost. That's where we live now. That won't exist once we leave this earth for us. The kingdom of heaven exists. That's a different kingdom. The kingdom of God is this peace and righteousness, enjoying the Holy Ghost. It's living the life in the kingdom that Jesus established. And then when that's all said and done, we're saved. Then, then we, we roll over into the kingdom of heaven. That's a whole, you're not in heaven right now. I'm sorry, but you're not in heaven, right? Some of us in hell, but you're not in heaven right now. We have, we, there's, so good question. Good question because there's a misnomer in Christendom about saved. And because in the book of Romans, he says this about being saved. People say, okay, well, now I've got it. I'm in. I'm in for 10. Well, he's talking to the church. He's not telling the church how to be saved. He's telling them how to maintain their life for God so that in the end, it'll happen. You know, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. You remember that? We all want to go to heaven, and many people come to God because they want to go to heaven. Eh, it's not going to work. You're not going to get there. Because if you live to, for God to go to heaven, you missed the whole kingdom thing. You missed it. We don't live for God to go to heaven. We live for God to live in the kingdom and, and finish the work that Jesus started. When we do, we get to go to heaven. It's the byproduct. You don't have to do anything to go to heaven. You just live the kingdom thing, and it's a byproduct. But the, but the misnomer is the word saved, saved. Because all of us, you know, not all of us, but in, in my group that I came from, we all walked around and said, I'm saved. John and I were talking this week, and literally the things y'all know that I was doing way back then, I was convinced that if God came or if I died, even though I was in the middle of a drug deal and had a wreck on the car that I stole, I was going to heaven. Because once I was saved, see, that's why they, they understand the principle of saved. It's a future tense verb, something that's going to happen if, because Jesus always had if in there, and that's another thing a lot of people just scratch out of their Bible. There was always an if. There was always something you had to do. If, if it was just that Jesus died for our sins and we're saved, then, hey, we're all saved. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to repent. We have because he, he, his blood, but that's not it. He did all of those things, but we have to respond to what he did. Jesus doesn't respond to what we do. We respond to what he did. That's just a, a thing that's in Christendom, and why is that, that there? Why, why is that? Yes, ma'am. God, the Bible says that God calls all men to repentance. So all people are called. There's not a soul that's ever lived here that God didn't call. And it doesn't matter what generation or what. It doesn't matter what dispensation. In the dispensation of Noah, God called them a different way than he calls us today, right? But he has called all people in their dispensations. And when he calls us, we have to, you know, have you ever, ring, ring, ring? I love this. I look on there and it says telemarketer. He's calling, but I ain't answering. I don't want anything to do with that. But when God calls, then we have to answer. So I'm not sure I'm answering your question. Uh-huh. That calls us? 
correct. Yeah. Right. We can't save ourselves. Not possible. So, so we have to receive salvation from him, correct? It's a gift. It, salvation is the free gift of God. It's, we can't earn it. We can't do anything to get it. It's the free gift of God. But you have to understand what salvation is. See, a lot of people don't understand what salvation is. To many people in many groups, salvation is I came to an altar, said a prayer, signed a card, and the preacher said, you're good to go. That's salvation to them. That's not biblical. Hated Esau and he loved Jacob. The word hated. Okay. When I say I hate someone, what is it, what's the connotation? Man, if I could kill them, I'd kill them. If I hope they die of cancer. All this stuff. That's, hate means you've got this enter. If you look up the word hate in the Scripture, it's not the same word you're thinking of. The word hate means to love less. Just look it up. Look it up in your, uh, your, your uh, Hebrew. Look it up in your Greek. The word hate means to love less. So now let's look at it. Esau have I loved less. Jacob have I loved. Jacob have I loved. Esau, I loved him less. It doesn't mean he didn't love Esau. It means he loved him less because Esau was after the flesh. Jacob was after the spirit. So it's he loved him less. It just, just doesn't mean. What does that mean? Can God love more people? Can God love people more here and less over there? You understand what the love less means then? It was the action of Esau that caused God to have a different love towards him. Not less in the magnitude of it. But because he didn't obey, he did, he had the birthright. He was the that's that's what that's what that scripture actually means. It doesn't mean that even before they were born, he looked at Esau and said, "I hate that guy, man. I hate him with a passion." That's not what it means. He looked at Esau and said, "You know what? I know what that guy's going to do. He's going to sell out the very birthright of God that God gives." Does that does that make sense? Okay. Okay, because a lot of times we don't we get a misunderstanding about scripture simply because we don't know this particular word. It's it's real, you know. Jan, we were talking, Jan and I were talking about a particular subject that they, uh, that was talked about, and a lot of people have a misconception about it, some very. I'm not going to get into it about a, a, a very thing in scripture simply because they don't know the definition of the word, and so they think boy, blah, blah, and when in fact the definition of the word is totally different than what they're coming up with. And why does that happen? Because old brother so-and-so back in 1944, everybody loved him, and he said this is what it meant, and we all hung on to it. Yeah, uh, he's got to be right. He's the man of God. That's why I'm constantly telling you to take this word that we talk about, go home and get it for yourself. Make sure that what I'm telling you, if you come back and say, listen, Pastor, I think you were wrong about that. Uh, Hallelujah. Let's talk about it. I might learn something today. Pastor might learn something today. That's okay, y'all. No, me either, Jesse. <laughs> no. No. Matter of fact, the snake came after Paul. Paul never went after the snake. Yeah. Yeah, right into the fire. And what's fire represent? Holy Ghost.
Okay, Jesse, let me ask you a question before you go any further. At the very beginning, you read something, the kingdom of what? Heaven. And so he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, and when is that going to all take place? At the end of the world, not, not currently. Time to separate. Yeah. And we ain't the ones to separate, just like whenever the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that sowed good seed. And during the night, the mm -hmm. enemy came in and sowed bad seed, tares, among the wheat. Then when they came up, his servant said, what can we do? Can we pull those up now? He said, no, wait till the harvest. Leave them. Yeah. The harvest. When is the harvest? Not yet. Not yet. See, and that's an easy way to understand the kingdom of heaven as the difference between that and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of heaven is then. It's at the end. It's the best way to understand it. Any place you read in Scripture when it talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about the end time. When it's all said and done, it's over, it's done. The separation, it's all done. When he's talking about the kingdom of God, it's current right now what's going on. It's the best way to understand it. If you, if you read it that way, and you'll understand it that way. That's why there's so many different doctrines in the Christian world. It's a matter of semantics. It's a matter of semantics. Because when I read in Romans that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Okay. Romans chapter 10, right? Right. Did, did read verses 1. Now, if you read, for the time's sake, go, when you go home today, read verses 1 through 10. Because Paul is talking to his brethren, and that brethren is Jews. Look at it. And he says to them, this is my prayer. And so one, verses 1 through, where you're, just, just look at it. He said, my prayer is that you, brethren, you Jews, that you understand this, that, that, that no longer is the law of Moses, your, your, that's not yours anymore. We don't go by the law of Moses anymore. And that if you'll, if you'll confess with your mouth and say, here's the thing, the reason he says that to the church, he's not telling people how to be saved. He's writing to people that are already born again. They're not saved, but the church are people. You and I are born again. We're in the church. He, he's, he's not going to tell us continually how to be born again again. Paul wouldn't write that to the church. He's writing to, the, to, to those Jews to say, listen, you've got to go in public and say, no longer am I part of the law of Moses, but I confess that Jesus is the Christ. Then do you know what would happen in the day of Jesus and in the day of Paul if you did that in a Jewish city? You're taking a risk. You're taking a chance, but that's what Paul told his fellow brethren, the Jews, and that's why it talks about confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart, because now you're changing from the old law to the new covenant, and that's what, that, that's what he's writing to them about. So that's where, it come, that's where you have to accept Jesus into your heart. That's where it's coming from? Yeah. Yeah, that was the basis of where I the, the group I came out of. They used the, the letters to the church to bring about what the salvation of a person is. Uh, but that, that's not, all you got to do is, can I simplify another thing? Not that we're stupid, but it's real simple. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels. Okay, four men that were with Jesus, and they wrote their account, the Gospels. That is Jesus' death, 
His life is death. His burial is resurrection. So the book of Acts is what? Okay, beginning of the church. It was the book of Acts. Jesus is in the book of Acts now. Acts chapter 1. He makes a statement to them. Go ye and tarry in Jerusalem. So he's still there. But then Jesus ascends. He's no longer here physically. And we just read the scripture. Jesus said, listen, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, can't come. Why is that? Because Jesus, the physical Lamb of God, leaves here so that the Elohim, the power of God, can come now rest into our lives. When Jesus left, it was 10 more days before the Holy Ghost fell. Jesus was here 40 days and left. 10 more days where they waited in Jerusalem. It started out with 500, wound up with 120. So 380 couldn't make it, whatever that's about. So then what happens in Acts chapter 2 is the Holy Ghost that Jesus just told them about 10 days ago falls, and all this breaks loose. And so there, it happens to be at Pentecost, and I'm, you know, for the sake of time, I see we're, you know, this is what we want to do, though. This is what the early church did. Understand this, that Pentecost was a very important, very important thing to celebrate because Penta is 50, and Pentecost is the the celebration 50 days after Passover. Every 50th year at Pentecost, if I owed Darren, uh, you know, I bought a piece of property from Darren, and I had to pay him two goats every two weeks to pay it off. And let's say I still owe him about 50 goats. At Pentecost on the 50th year, we all came together, and what happened? Guess what, Darren? We wipe out the 50 goats. I don't owe you anything, but I still have the property. You see how important that was? Now, when you look back and you research the Pentecost that we know about that's in the book of Acts, it is the 50th year Pentecost. So all the Jews are in Jerusalem to get theirs. I mean, hey, this is all going to be wiped out. And so while they're there to get theirs, the Holy Ghost falls in the upper room. These people spill out, on the, out into the, and they're, what are they doing? They're speaking in languages. And how do we know this? Here's the weird thing. These are all people from Galilee that really the Aramaic Hebrew is about all they knew. Most of them couldn't write. Most of them couldn't read. But they were speaking in languages from all over the world because the Jews from all over the world were there to celebrate Pentecost. And so you see what God did here? He, he, man, it's powerful. So all these people spill out here, 120 of them. They're speaking in, unless the languages they're speaking in. And so one dude says, hey, 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 you guys are Galileans. You're about as stupid as a stump. How are you speaking my language? And how are you worshiping God in my language? You, you don't barely know your own. And so what is, what, what does, Peter stands up. You gotta, gotta like the guy. He's a mouth everywhere he goes. He stands up and he says, well, listen, you guys that are Jews, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Oh, man, their ears perked up because you know what? Joel was a prophet in the Old Testament. Oh, what was that? What? Tell us what. Oh, in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream. And he tells the whole. Then he goes into David. Well, now they're really perked up. You know, he starts talking about the King David. Oh, they all love David. But Peter was really wise in the spirit. You see how quick wisdom came to him in the spirit? Within minutes, don't ever think one of the purposes of the Holy Ghost is to give you wisdom you don't have right now. You can be in a situation, I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm going to ask, uh, I'll just ask her if she wants to have a Bible study. What did the lady say? You ask the lady about happy, but, but, but what you're feeling when you first 
ask. Your feeling is that, yeah, she's going to reject me. But you see what? The wisdom of God overcame the fear. And Ivana asked a lady, she's like, man, the lady like fell all over. Just give me, this is what happened at Pentecost. And as they're speaking in, in language, the word tongues, people get freaked out about tongues. The word tongues means languages, known languages in the earth. And they were speaking, and, and so that's what all happened. This was the birth of the New Testament church. The birth of the New Testament church. So after that, you read all the things that Peter did, Paul did, Barnabas did. You start naming them. It's the history of what the church, and here's the neat thing. Go to the very last cha- verse in the very last chapter, and you see that it doesn't have an end like all the other books in the Bible have an end. Why is that? Because we're living in it. We're still living in this book of Acts. So then in the book of Acts, you find that Paul is imprisoned. At the end of his life, he's in the Mamertine prison in Rome. And so he begins to pen these letters and send them out to the churches. That's what Romans is. That's what Corinthians is. That all these letters are letters Paul said. Now, this is how you guys that are already Christians are going to live for God. This is what it takes. But what happened in the Christian movement as it began to wake its way in is that preachers, pastors, whoever, began to take what Paul wrote to the church and make it the doctrine of salvation. The doctrine of salvation came in the book of Acts. Because after, after Peter explained what was going on, it says they were pricked in their heart, and they said, well, what do we do? Now, what, what, what do you think they're asking here? Man, what do we do? How do we get what, yeah, what happened to you? How, what do I do here? And so Peter just laid it out for them. This, and I, I don't think Peter misunderstood Jesus. I think he reiterated to them what Jesus had trained him for three and a half years to say. He said, Repent. Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. Repent and be baptized. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, here, let me stop. I grew up in the group, my group, when we were baptized, we were baptized. The word baptized comes from baptizo, means to be buried. You, You don't put a person on the ground, throw a little dirt on them, sprinkle a little dirt on them. Well, that was a good funeral. No, you you're buried in the ground. That's what baptizo means. So repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Correct. He was, no, no. Number one, nobody was baptized. Number two, Jesus wasn't given a formula. You understand this? And look in the early manuscripts, and this is what you find. This is the truth of what you find. This formula came about in the, by the Nicene Council, which is the Catholic Church. Look up. I, might, I don't want to embarrass him. If you look up in the encyclopedia what it says about baptism, what does it say, John, about baptism in the early church? Say it again. That was in the encyclopedia. The encyclopedia, historical fact, that in the early church, without any, everybody was baptized in Jesus' name. It was changed by the Council of Nicaea. What is the name of the Father? Well, you know, Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name. What is the name of the Son? That's an easy one. What's What's the name of the Holy Ghost? He will send the Holy Ghost in my name. You understand, Jesus wasn't given a formula. He was just expressing about his name. Why is that important? Well, Peter said, you're baptized in Jesus' name for the 
Remission. What is remission? Wash, you wash it away. If I'm going to remit the dirt off of my shirt, I'm going to put it in the washer, and I'm going to, the washing machine is going to remit the dirt out of my shirt. Does that make sense? That's what happens when you're baptized in Jesus' name. Your sins are remitted or washed away. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Well, uh, turn to Acts chapter 22. Just, you, know, you don't have to do it right now. You don't, write that down, Acts chapter 22. As, as the apostle was speaking, he said, Why tarry ye? Get up. Rise up. Come on. And be baptized in the name of the Lord that your sins may be washed away. Calling on the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 10. See, the book of Acts is the history of the church. And so these guys have to agree, otherwise the Bible is false. All Scripture has to agree or the Bible's false. So in Acts chapter 10, as Paul went to Cornelius' house and began to tell them about Jesus, he wasn't laying hands on them. He wasn't talking Holy Ghost. He wasn't talking baptism. He was talking about Jesus Christ, the Savior, the one that was crucified. While he yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. And so how did they know they received the Holy Ghost? Yeah, they began to speak his tongues as because in Acts chapter 11, Peter had taken seven guys with him to, to verify what was going on because he knew when he got back to the church, to the church, to the church in Jerusalem, that the elders were going to call him and say, what were you doing down at that guy's house? He is not a Jew. What are you doing? So he was smart, took seven guys with him. And the story he tells is this. I, while I was preaching, this happened, and they received the Holy Ghost like we did in the beginning. So how did they receive the Holy Ghost in the beginning? It's, 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 this is all really relatively simple. If you just study, if you just study, I don't, you know, it's hard to, I, I, it's, it's really frustrating to know that there are, there are millions of people that claim to be Christian, and I'm not judging them. They claim to be Christian when they don't even study to find out what the Word actually says. And so that's what Acts is. It's the beginning of the church, and it's the history of the church up until today, this morning, as we are gathered here. We're still doing it. Acts is still rolling. And so what did he do? He, they received the Holy Ghost. Then he said, hey, would you all like to be baptized? Is that what happened? Hey, uh, you know, there's this thing called baptism. What, did he, what does it say? He commanded. That word commanded actually is a military term. If you're in boot and your boot sergeant says, get down and give me 20, you better get down and give him 20. Because if you don't, you're going to get a boot, all right. Because it's a command. And it's a service command. So Peter said he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And you can go, listen, we can go on and on and on. There's, you know, there's Acts 8, there's Acts 10, there's Acts 19. Paul, let's just do Acts 19. This is way off of what I, this is supposed to happen. Acts 19, Paul, having traveled the upper coast, he comes to a city and he finds certain disciples. Disciples, what is a disciple? They follow someone, right? And he said, hey, have y'all seized the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, well, we've not even heard of that. Holy Ghost, what is that? So immediately, Paul says, oh, stop, stop, stop. How were you baptized? Now, if baptism's not important, why would he even ask the question? How are you baptized? And they said, well, we were baptized unto John's baptism, the baptism of repentance. Y'all know who John was, right? John the Baptist. So these disciples weren't Jesus' disciples. They were John the Baptist's disciples. They had been baptized because John the Baptist baptized in repentance. And when, when they were baptized in repentance, he said, now you've got to believe on the one that's coming after me. And who was that? We know who that was, Jesus. And so Paul said, oh, okay. And so what did Paul do? Well, 
you know, would y'all like to be baptized? No. Paul baptized them. He rebaptized. They'd already been baptized. I was baptized twice in the group that I was, came from. But then when I came to where the truth is, I realized what, how you're supposed to be baptized. I got baptized again. You know why? Because Jesus said to do it. And his, his apostles and disciples did it. And so he, they were, he baptized them in the name of the Lord, and he laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm just going to do something here. You know, you, Darren's by himself, so I'm going to pick on him. Darren, I want you to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm going to lay my hands on you. You receive the Holy Ghost. Okay. Exactly the ceremony in Catholic Church. The bishop comes, lay hands on you, and says, "You receive the Holy Ghost. You receive mm-hmm. the Holy Ghost. You receive the Holy Ghost." You and that person thinks they just now received the Holy Ghost. That's the confirmation. confirmation. But they're in Scripture, mm-hmm. not not past. This is not Pastor Don. In Scripture, there's always evidence that someone receives the Holy Ghost. Always evidence. Oh well, they, there's love and meekness and kindness. No, that's fruit that comes after you receive. That's not evidence. Listen, the give the fruit of the Spirit is not evidence that you have the Holy Ghost. I know people that, that hate God, but they're, they, they're very meek. They're kind. They have love, joy. Now, if they have all of that, that should mean, if that's evidence of the Holy Ghost, that's telling you it's not evidence of the Holy Ghost. Those are just fruit that, and here's what Paul meant. Listen, if these heathens can love, at least if you have the Holy Ghost, you ought to show this fruit. This ought to, at least, they can do it. You ought to at least show this, but then Paul goes on and teaches more later. But you understand that the, that the fruit of the Spirit is not evidence of the whole. There's only one evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, of receiving the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Ghost coming into your life in Scripture. There's only one evidence, and it repeats itself continually. Joel said, they shall speak with new languages. He said that hundreds of years before that ever happened. So what happened at Pentecost? They spoke with new tongues, languages. What happened to Cornelius? They spoke with, what happened? With, you just continue. Does it say they spoke with tongues when, in Acts 19? But he knew they had received the Holy Ghost. How did he know? Because what happened to Paul? You just, just keep looking through the Scripture. You're going to find the Scripture really does agree. And that the power of the Holy Ghost is here, but it's not, it's, it's a, yeah, I'm going to shut this all up. It's, it's not, we have so many different dynamics in Christendom about the Holy Ghost. And what I want, I had 10 points and I got past, that was number two. It's y'all's fault, not mine. Y'all, y'all did it, I didn't. No, it's, you know whose fault it is. We <laughs> so we'll do this lesson next week. But this, you know what, this is needed. This is why this happened. You see the wisdom of God? God prompts somebody to ask a question, and you see what happens? The wisdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. The kingdom of God is right now. You're living in it, operating in it. It's, it is not meat or drink, but it's peach righteousness and joy in the Holy Ghost. When we are raptured out of here, the Holy Ghost, the, the power of God, that, that's, that's over. You understand? That, that's done. There will be no Holy Ghost here during the tribulation. Seven years. There will be no Holy Ghost here even when Jesus sets up his kingdom because he's back here in the physical. He had to leave in the physical for the Holy Ghost to come. When he's back here in the physical, the realm of the Holy Ghost is over. 
There, there, will be, there will be no more what we see today. You realize what we're living in, the greatest time in history of man, the very power and essence of God that we're living in? But the problem in Christendom that we find is this, the dynamics of everybody that has all these different ideas. And the different ideas come from the, if my people, if they, 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 God said, my people, they just perish because of the lack of, where does knowledge come from? Well, that's, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. It is, but that's not the same word knowledge as in the gifts of the Spirit. It's a different word. My people perish for a lack of Knowledge, what does that mean? So what is God saying here? You perish because you don't know. So why don't you know? Because pastor didn't tell me. No. No, because mom and daddy didn't know. You know what? As, as, as much as I would like this, don't trust me. Because if we stand before God and I'm feeling a little bit, mm, uh, I'm not going to stand for you. I'm going to be too busy standing. And that's not going to happen. You understand something. I can't stand before God for you. Used it. So I can't stand before God for your study and what you know. It's my job as the pastor of the church in Scripture to equip the saints for the ability of ministry. Every one of you have ministry. And I'm to equip you with this word of, so that you can go out and minister to the people that need God. Every single one of you is a minister. See, but, but, you know, there's churches that don't like that because the pastor's the minister. He's the prophet. He's the preacher. He's the teacher. That don't fly out here. Because that would be me taken away from what God has given you. To be, he said for us to all go and preach, all go and teach, we all minister. I'm the pastor. There, there has to, here's the thing. There has to be a head of the church. Who's the head of the church? God. There has to be a head of the home. Who's the head of the home? Who's the head of the home? Yeah. Oh, you chauvinist. Come on. Who's the head of the home? The husband. Now, that don't fly in our society, does it? But Paul said that the husband was the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. There's always a dynamic of that. Why is that? That's the only way unity happens. You know, ladies, I'm, I love you, but if you try to usurp your husband, you have broken unity in the home, and you're out of the will of God. Right. Husband, if you don't lead, if you don't lead your wife and your family, you have now, you're now out of the will of God, and you have broken because Jesus is your head, and now you've broken that line. Man, this is serious stuff. The purpose of the Holy Ghost is to keep you in the line of the will of God. I had a scripture in here. We'll read it next week. One of the purposes of the Holy Ghost is to keep you and me in line with the will of God. Because sometimes in our Christian living, it's not, we don't always operate in the will of God, do we? Sometimes we, you know, uh, I, I think this is what God meant. And so we go do this. And we get out of the will of God. The Holy Ghost says, no, back, 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 back. Move over. This is what the will of God is. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost. But again, first things first with the Holy Ghost. We have to understand what the biblical principle is of the Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. There are various things. We'll talk about that next week. But understand, the Holy Ghost is not a third God. I mean, Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He's not a third God. Jesus is not God Jr. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Big bingo. Good one, Scott. Now, the disciples were like, say what? They, you're right. They didn't get it. It took them a while. Yeah, yeah. 
So we have to understand, if you were here last week, then I think maybe the more of what Elohim means in the beginning, God, that word God, there means Elohim, the plurality, or everything that God's going to do in humanity, that's, that's who created. So that's why it says Jesus in Colossians was the creator of the world. Because Jesus Jr., God Jr. didn't create the world. God created the world. Jesus is the flesh of God. God is a spirit. No man has seen God at any time. Why is that? Because he's hiding. God's hiding. And he, he's the best hide-and-seek you'll ever. No, no, no. No man, no man has seen God at any time because God is a spirit. We can't see spirits. So God came in flesh so that we could see him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's why God came in flesh. In the, in, in the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. How do you be with it and was it? You have to be, they have to be the same. And the Word was, verse 14, made flesh. Is this not, am I just, maybe I'm the most simplistic. <laughs> is this not really simple? If it's not, tell me. To me, it is so simple that it, and, and, and did not God say that? I'm going to provide, I'm going to profound the world with my Word, the simplicity of my Word. It's going to, the world's not going to get it. They're not going to understand it. They don't get it. And I, I can see why. I can see why there's denominations like there are. Because it's people of the world trying to use human logic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can't use human logic. That's why we're given the Spirit. The Spirit is what gives us the logic. It's, the Spirit gives us the logic of God. What do you want? Man's logic or God's logic? Which one do you want? Now, I'm with you. I already know your answer. We want God's logic. And that's what the Holy Ghost does. It brings us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We'll, we'll find out next week because of the, of the ten, I've got the two. I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. I'll skip the first two next week. We'll just go, we'll go through the rest, three through ten. Because understanding that it's time for us to step up and operate in the Spirit, you can't operate a car if you've never driven it, if you've never gone through the classes. If You may get in there and figure out how to turn it on, but if you've never driven a car and you don't know anything about them, I dare you to get out at 5 o'clock on 20 in the afternoon. And the operation ain't going to go good for you. We have to learn what the Holy Ghost is and learn what the value of the Holy Ghost is in the church today in order to operate in it. That's why I want to do this lesson. Because how many of us came in, up in a church that was Holy Ghost Church, but we were never told, we were just told, get the Holy Ghost and move on. Come on, you, yeah, you got the Holy Ghost. Right? And, and no one ever told us the what, what, where, and why, why the Holy Ghost is here. What is the power of the Holy What is that power of God? What, what, just, I, I'm two minutes over. What, what is that? The Holy Ghost, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you. The Holy Ghost is the power of God. It's every ounce of power that God has living in us. Say that again. It's every ounce of power that God has living in us. Here's what God does. When you receive the Holy Ghost, I'm getting into next week. The Bible calls the Holy Ghost the earnest of our inheritance. It's all of God's power, but what he does is he says, listen, I'm going to take care of the, the, the beginning. There's a full payment you've got to pay, but I'm going to take care of you with just a little bit of the upfront money. You got it all. It's all yours, but I'm just going to take it because that's all you can handle. You can't handle all of this. You'll explode. No, your body can't handle it. Your spirit can't handle it. 
your, your intellect, you can't handle it. We'll be able to handle it later. Right now, we can't physically handle it. That's why the Bible tells us his ways are far above our ways. His, all of his thoughts are far above. We can't handle that. That's why they're so far above us. We, if, if God were to tell us certain things, our head would explode. We, we can't get it. Thank you. Thank you. You know, what's God? Now, I want you all to understand that. You know, I, you're with me and I'm with you, I hope. This is God. God's doing something here, y'all. Man, I... I can't imagine, I'm trying to imagine as pastor what's going to happen when God does this poor thing that he's going to do in this church. Not, not poor, everybody's poor without money. He's going to pour his spirit out like it's, we've never experienced. It's going to happen. I've prayed and talked to God, and I keep getting that same processing as God. The unity thing came, remember we talked for about a year and a half about what it takes to be saved and that stuff, and then we came into unity. There's a reason that. You know what God's saying? Okay. Now they're either going to get it or they're not. And so unity is the ones that don't get it, they're going to leave, not because they're ugly, not because they're rude, not because they're hateful, not because they're, they just don't get it. But the ones that get it are going to jump on board, and here we go. Man, it's, you know what? That's why it's time to step up. This is lesson two. It's time to step up. I'm jumping on the train. I'm jumping on the train. God bless you. I'm five minutes over. Next week we'll, we'll do the rest. Yeah, well, we'll try it anyway. God bless you. If you have any questions about this, don't come to me now. Come to me after the next service. I'll be glad to talk with you because we don't have time now. We've only got a few minutes. But, but, but I'll be glad to talk with you about anything we've talked about. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.